Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Now, uh, Limerick very much being the home of uh, rugby in Ireland. Um, keep an eye on these things. So, um, unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know that uh, Joe Schmidt stepped down as uh, the coach of the Ireland rugby team after the recent Rugby World Cup. It's something that he had announced well in advance of that. Um, he's been a huge success with Ireland, of course, and uh, before that with Leinster. Apparently he won something with them. I, I can't really remember something about Heineken Cups or whatever. But after that, he became Ireland coach and we could all get behind him and what an amazing um, success he's had uh, there with um, uh, Six Nations Championships, Grand Slams um, and then of course there was the World Cup which we might chat to him about uh, as well. Um, He is coming to Limerick to University Concert Hall uh, this Thursday evening for an audience with Joe Schmidt and his book Ordinary Joe is out um, as well and uh, he's on the line right now and good morning to you Joe. Morning. How are you doing? Um, now, yeah, not too bad. You um, were saying in the run-up to finishing with um, Ireland uh, that uh, you were paying compliment to another coach who had been coaching uh, an international side. I think it was Warren Gatlin for a long time. That uh, being coach of Ireland for the last six years almost killed you. So, how are you feeling now that you're on something of a break from it all? Uh, yeah, it's it's. Nice to get a little bit of time for myself, although there hasn't been too much time to to relax at all. And um, you know, unfortunately, things didn't finish the way that we would have hoped. So I'm, I'm still kind of getting over the disappointment of our exit from the World Cup. So uh, I think those two things combined haven't allowed too much time to to actually relax. But uh, at the same time, uh, the people have been phenomenal. Um, and uh, wherever I've gone, that they've been uh, incredibly forthcoming with their uh, their thoughts on um, on the last 10 years rather than the last uh, the last 10 weeks really mm. and what will you be doing for Christmas will you be around as a big family thing uh, yeah my my sister is over from New Zealand and uh, I, I've got a good friend of mine and his wife are, are both over from New Zealand and I've got a brother here in Dublin so there'll be a, a crowd of us for for Christmas Um so I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be a bit of a quieter time over Christmas. Mm, because normally for you, both as coach of Leinster and of Ireland as well, uh, the whole Christmas period would have been busy, wouldn't it? You'd have been bringing players together um, for um, camps and all of that stuff. Yeah, the, I think the Christmas camp this year for the for the national team is around the 19th of December and uh, that's... That's always something that's busy building up to it. So you want to make the best use of the of the little window of time that you have, and then you're obviously watching the derby games um, over the Christmas period, which are always interesting to see matchups of of players. And there's always a mix of players that are involved. So you you're trying to probably cast the net a little bit wider and see some of the younger players uh, as well as uh, some of the more established players, because those players tend to play in the big European games either side of Christmas anyway. Talk to me a bit, Joe, about the Munster-Leinster rivalry, which obviously we'd be very interested in from the red side of things. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's something that's really still alive and well, I, I think, from a provincial perspective. But one of the things that really impressed me about the, the Irish team, once they were in a green jersey, a, a lot of those... Uh, 
those rivalry, those that, that real um, probably caustic approach that happens on the pitch, that, that was buried in a very much a, a unified green jersey. Um, you saw last year, particularly at, at this time of the year, where there were um, some fairly testy moments in the game, and I, I think it's almost good for the game. It's good to have that rivalry. I think it it sparks players for the for the game, and as a result, the spectators get uh, get a little bit of a benefit of that because both teams go go at things. Just they ramp up the intensity a little bit for that game. Now you have coached many great monster players uh, for Ireland, you know, legends like uh, Paul O'Connell. Um, but just talk to me a bit about someone who was very consistently part of the Ireland side, Keith Earls. Yeah, look, Keith is is a formidable um, character. He 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 has a real strength of character and. His speed is exceptional. I know people will remember a few of the, the chase downs he's done over the years, uh, chasing down Bellini uh, in the Italian game a couple of years ago when we were looking to get that grand slam. Uh, he chased down uh, Kinki Fukuoka in, in the Japan game, which managed to keep a, a bonus point for us. So on that side of the game, he's, he's incredibly quick. Um, he scored some exceptional tries. He's incredibly powerful for a relatively small man. Um, I, I remember a few years ago when he when he hit Liam Williams and absolutely buried him backwards. Um, I think he might have been penalised for it because he, he lifted him a bit in the tackle, but he's very aggressive from that perspective. And um, I, I think he he has a passing ability that uh, people probably underestimate. It, it, obviously, he spent time in the midfield in, in Munster and he's played a few times in the uh, national team at midfield as well. So, yeah, I, I think he's uh, yeah, he's a multi, multi-faceted player and he's certainly been a really good contributor and leader for us in the, in the national team. Now, what kind of fella is Keith, Joe? Yeah, he's quiet. He's quiet. There's a quiet resolve about him. He doesn't, he doesn't say too much, but when he does speak, because he would have a leadership role in the team, uh, he, he certainly has an impact on other players. I think he leads quietly with players as well. He he offers guidance to, to the younger players because he has a, a good sense, particularly defensively, when you're playing on the wing and, and you're making decisions on the edge. You've got to have a really good uh, sense of, of your timing and, and when you come up and close down an opponent or when you just hold off a little bit and let your opponent play to the edge a bit more. And I think players like Andrew Conway, who's, who's playing really well for Munster at the moment, I think they've benefited from having played with Keith and trained with Keith and, and his understanding of, of the right time to do things. So, you know, I, I think that's a, a real positive. Despite him being quiet, I think he transfers messages and, and works quietly alongside players really well. You were chatting to Joe Schmidt. He's coming to a university concert hall in Limerick this Thursday. His book is out, of course, Ordinary Joe, and uh, he'll be chatting to people uh, on Thursday. Is it true that as a player, you were only ever sent off by your dad as the referee? <laughs> yeah, it's an embarrassing story. Um, I, I was, I think, uh, about 10 years old, and um, it was on one of those really cold mornings. It's a bit like today. I, I, I'm not sure what the weather's like in Limerick, but um, 
it's a really it was a really frosty morning when the when the grass is almost sharp. There's uh, there's such a hard frost and. When uh, I was playing scrum half against uh, another guy that I played against uh, a number of times, and whenever anyone kicked your hands, uh, your fingers were half numb already. It, it really stung, and someone came through and kicked his hands, and I think um, I said something like "serves you right" uh, to him because uh, we were pretty competitive with each other, and uh, the referee kind of blew the whistle and said, uh, "You're off. It's unsporting." And um, I started to argue because I didn't even swear. And, and then my dad, who was refereeing, actually sent me home, not to sent me <laughs> off. And so it was pretty humiliating in front of my mates uh, to be sent, uh, sent off and then sent home. So I, I had to, a long walk home that day. And Joe, is that where your absolute insistence on discipline has come from ever since? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, that was maybe the start of it. Um I think it's where my my insistence on uh, uh, respect for your opponents and, and respect for opposition coaches, and I'd be very loath to uh, speak negatively about um, opposition coaches. I know people feel that they maybe get uh, a little bit of an advantage from doing it. I, I just don't think it has to be part of the game. I, I think... Uh, there are some amateur values in rugby that that we can still hang on to even in the professional era. Mm. Uh, who was the best Irish player that you coached? Yeah, you can't ask me that. Surely, I, I, there, there's there's a, a number of really impressive Irish players. Obviously, Paul O'Connell, who was captain for the first two years that I coached Ireland, um, was incredibly influential. Uh, on me as a coach, let alone uh, my influence on players. So uh, his you know, ability to adapt, his commitment to self-improvement um, and uh, you know, just the, the way that he could lead by the actions he delivered, uh, that was always really impressive. And um, uh, you know, I, I had a, a real privilege of, of working with guys like him and, and obviously Brian O'Driscoll they were the same sort of era um, and I, I guess guys like Sean O'Brien um, he, when he was at his his very peak he, he was uh, a player who was incredibly difficult to, to compete with um, but you know then you've got other guys who, who offer different things. You know, obviously in our back row in recent years, both CJ Stander and Pete Omani, very different players, but but they've both uh, contributed uh, immensely to what we've delivered. And and for me, I, I guess in the 10 years that I've spent in Ireland, I, I've worked all 10 of those years with Johnny Sexton and his, um, his work ethic his understanding of the game and his ability to bring other players into the game with his passing and kicking skills, um, you know, have, have certainly helped us deliver what we've been looking to deliver uh, mm. at, at both Leinster and Irish um, at national team level. Yeah. I, I often wondered, you know, watching you in Six Nations and just as a, as a, a fan of it and, and loving the success and obviously living with the failures that that happens too in every walk of life, I often wonder, watching you interviewed after games, particularly during intense Six Nations periods, does this guy ever sleep? Do, do you do you find that? Yeah, look, I I probably don't sleep a, a lot, which is not a not a healthy thing. I, I certainly don't recommend it to people, and I try to 
I don't think you can catch up, but I, I try to de-stress a little bit outside of those windows. But during the Six Nations, um, I, I try to look for any small marginal gain that we can get, either by watching our players and seeing how they're playing the game or watching our opponents and seeing what they're doing to try to, I, I guess, uh, look at any trends that we can we can try to manipulate uh, either with our attack or whether we can try to shut down um, some of the some of the opportunities that they're trying to create with their attack. Yeah, and and then the family challenges that you know you've had and they're ref- referenced in the book and people have done interviews with you recently. you have talked about them. You know, living so far from home as well and family in New Zealand. And uh, I mean that that must have been very difficult for you and for the the family because you're very much in the public eye in in a small country like Ireland. You know, you become very well known very quickly. That's just the reality. Yeah, but uh, I I've never found. Um anyone uh, who's been difficult uh, from very early on. I, I remember, and, and I wrote about it, uh, wandering down to Dundrum. We live in Churchtown in, in Dublin, and um, you know, about three people who walked past us uh, said, hi, Joe. And my wife commented that, that, wow, you've met a lot of people. And I hadn't met any of those people. You just, we were kind of, absorbed into the fabric of, of uh, our local community very, very quickly. And um, we have talked openly about some of the battles my son Luke has had with his, his epilepsy after after having a brain tumour as a very young young uh, lad. And uh, I, I think that was part of what we were trying to do for Epilepsy Ireland in, in, in uh, speaking about epilepsy being... Uh, Something that people live with, but it doesn't necessarily define who they are. That they can they can live very normal lives, even though that they do have a number of seizures on a daily basis, as as he did. But um, again, he was he was looked after so well at the at the two schools that he's he's attended the, the primary school, um, Stratford National Primary, and and then uh, at Terenure College, where he is currently. So we've been very lucky that uh, we, we've had fantastic support from from the people in our community and and even more broadly around Ireland you know I've, I've loved going to Toman Park and the, the support that people have and I, I I was having breakfast with a cork man this morning um, who's over from Dubai and we were, we were talking about the, the game against Toulon the quarterfinal a few years ago and uh, Andrew Conway scored a late try and just how how fantastic the crowd were that day, and so, so from that perspective, anywhere that we've we've been as a family, or I've been individually in, in Ireland, it's it's been a you know a, a, a real warmth and, and support from the people that that we've met. Yeah, I mean you've had phenomenal success with Ireland and with Leinster. Um, you mentioned earlier that you know you're still living with the outcome of the recent Rugby World Cup. I, I'm not going to get into all of that because um, it would take forever for a start. But but what I would ask is, um, do you think that Ireland, you know, in 2023 or beyond, can break through that barrier and get beyond quarterfinals and two semifinals of Rugby World Cups? Uh, I know they will. Um, you know, I think one of the one of the worst things I did is that I I, I kind of prioritised it. I, I think sometimes you're better off just to focus on your own performance and and keep your rhythm and keep your confidence, because 
the Rugby World Cup is fickle. I mean, I think the All Blacks have been favourite for every World Cup that they've played in, and they've won three of them. Um, uh, you know, you can't you can't sort of predict what's going to happen in the World Cup. I, I thought in 2015 that we were travelling incredibly well, and we worked our way through a, a very very tough French game, and unfortunately we lost Pete Armani, Paul O'Connell, uh, Jared Payne, uh, Sean O'Brien and Jonathan Sexton, it would be hard to lose five more influential players at the time. And so we were incredibly unlucky there. Meeting an all-black team that, uh, you know, in discussions with some of their players and, and certainly their coaching staff afterwards, because we'd beaten them two of the last three times we'd played against them, they were hugely motivated for our game and then fell over against England, who were hugely motivated for New Zealand, and then they fell over against South Africa. It's a very fickle tournament, and I think it's one of the things that people love about it because there is a, a degree of unknown um, in, in how things will pan out. And at the same time, um, you know, it's a, it's a very frustrating tournament because there are a number of variables that are very difficult to, to control going into the tournament and during the tournament. All right. Well, listen, thanks for your time this morning. A Limerick mum uh, has been in touch, just wants to thank you for all you've done promoting epilepsy. Uh, she had a daughter the same age as your son and had surgery around the same time as you appeared on The Late Late talking about your son's experiences and says it was really great to hear someone speaking about the struggles that obviously her family recognised as well. So that's that's nice to hear. And, and you, you know in Limerick Rugby you're here long enough that we always look for conspiracy theories and... To, you know, pe- pe- people out to get us but I will say that I remember actually the time you were appointed Ireland coach that um, even we couldn't find something to complain about then and we've had many many great great days uh, with you since then uh, Joe um, so so we thank you for all of that and we thank you for your time this morning the book is Ordinary Joe and you're at University Concert Hall on Thursday in Limerick lovely venue so I'm sure you'd love to see people come along Yeah look I, uh, we had a great night last night and um you know, for me, uh, I just it gives me an opportunity to say thank you to people because, as I said, they, we've had a fantastic uh, time in Ireland. We, we we're staying around, uh, and and I guess in a, in about six to eight months' time, I'll I'll have to find a new job, and um, you know, and until that happens, uh, we're going to enjoy a little bit of time as a family to to kind of enjoy Ireland. Brilliant, brilliant. Just do us one favour. If one of your former players turns up on Thursday night with book in hand and he lets it drop, don't do a video review on him. <laughs> no, no, look, those days are gone, but I, I, I won't offer any feedback at all. <laughs> all right, great. Listen, have a very happy Christmas, Joe. Thanks a million. Th- thank you. Take Cheers. care. Cheers, Call Limerick today now on 461995.